All right, thank you to Greg. Um, I do want to highlight uh, one thing Greg already highlighted. Dino Cardinale, the missionary that's coming uh, to speak that first Sunday in, uh, in March, really heads up, him and his wife, a really amazing ministry. Basically, they run a large Christian hospital in Africa. And so even if you're a person that you're like, you know, like, I don't know, I'm not really into this mission stuff. I, I think you'll be really, uh, I guess, encouraged and, and challenged just by the ministry that they undertake in a, in a pretty challenging situation in Africa. And there's just one other thing I wanna note. Uh, we do have deacons and elders for prayer available after the service. So if, you're, if you would like prayer for any reason, or, and it can be prayer, it can be praise, it can be whatever reason, um, there's a prayer room right off the foyer here to the right, and there are folks in there available for prayer after the service. So with that, we'll go ahead and dive into today's sermon. In recent weeks, we have been moving through Exodus chapter 20, where the Ten Commandments are listed. God told his people in these commandments they should have no other gods before him, that they shouldn't make images of God and that they shouldn't use the Lord's name in vain. The next command, the fourth commandment, is to rest weekly, otherwise known as taking the Sabbath. A couple of years ago here at Byfield, I did a multi-week sermon series on Sabbath, so I'm not actually going to preach on that again today. If that's something that you missed out on or are interested in listening to again, all those sermons are available on YouTube, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to them. As we move forward in the Ten Commandments, past the initial four commandments, there is a bit of a transition. The first four commandments are very focused on people's relationship to God, on how we relate to God. Whereas the remaining six commandments are more focused on our relationships with each other. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The first four commandments are focused on loving the Lord, while the second six are focused on loving each other, although all the commandments are interrelated. Today, we are going to be looking at the fifth command, the first of the six that tells us how to love one another. So if you, actually, I'm going to ask you not to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, although you can if you prefer to. We're going to read from Exodus 20, chapter 12, but then we're also going to be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 20 through 34. So if you want to read along, that would probably be the better place to turn to. So we're going to read from Exodus, and then we're also going to read from 1 Samuel. Hear the word of the Lord. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 20, where we will begin reading in verse 26. 
Yet Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, something has happened to him. He is not clean. Surely he is not clean. But on the second day, the day after the new moon, David's place was empty, and Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has not the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. He said, let me go, for our clan holds a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. So now, if I have found favor in your eyes, let me get away and see my brothers. For this reason, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan. He, he said to him, you son of a perverse rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why should he be put to death? What has he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. And Jonathan rose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David, for his father had disgraced him. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade but the word of the Lord remains forever. We are going to spend the first bit of today's sermon wrestling with the tension that often comes up regarding the command to honor parents. This is not a challenge that is foreign to any of us. Even the best parents are flawed. I say this as a parent. However much I want to be a perfect parent, I fall short. My kids honoring me is not as straightforward as it may seem. The Bible is aware that honoring parents can be a challenge. It does not act as if keeping the command to do so will always be easy. We are still commanded to honor our parents. Jesus shows us how to do so. Like him, we should honor our earthly parents who are imperfect, as well as our heavenly father who is perfect. Today's two passages present us with a conundrum. The first passage, Exodus 20, 12, tells us what to do without ambiguity. God commands the Israelites to honor your father and mother. Our understanding of this verse hinges on what we think it means to honor someone. It, it certainly means to, to show them respect, Probably a syn the synonym for honor in this case would be esteem. The Israelites were to show esteem for their parents. A little, little bit of additional context. The Israelites lived in what is known as an honor-shame 
culture. In an honor-shame oriented culture, the honor of the family, tribe, village, city, and nation you represent is key. And the avoidance of shame is crucial in the process of advancing and preserving honor. What this means very simply is that a child's behavior, even when they're, a, when they're an adult, reflects on their parents. For Israel to honor one's parents was to respect them or hold them in esteem, but it also included a broader recognition that the way a person lived reflected on their parents. We continue to think this way to some extent today. Many parents, and, and I'm really, really glad that my children are, are out of the age range where this would be a possibility, many parents may feel ashamed when their three-year-old throws a temper tantrum at the grocery store. I've been in that position before, it's unpleasant. The same can happen when a teenager gets in trouble or even when an adult child follows a different path from what their parents feel respected by. It is not that honor and shame are totally absent from our thoughts in the present. It is more that these ideas were prioritized in Old Testament times to a much greater extent. Honor mattered more than anything. While we don't prioritize honor as they did in the past and many cultures do today, we can still recognize that honoring parents should be desirable. If, if I had to choose between honoring my parents and shaming them, I'd prefer to honor them. I love my parents, as most people do, to the extent it's possible. I want my actions to reflect well on them. People have a natural desire to please their parents, and this desire is not a bad thing. In fact, it is affirmed in the command to honor our parents. While honor should be a good thing, there can be a dark side to it. The thing that we all have to discern is whether our parents are honored by the right things. When the Bible tells us to honor our mother and father, it is not telling us to do wrong things if our parents are honored by them. This brings us to the second passage we read. Saul is king of Israel. He has an oldest son named Jonathan. Jonathan is next in line to be king after Saul. Saul wants his lineage to continue. He feels honored by it. From Saul's perspective, Jonathan's actions towards his friend David don't fit with what Saul thinks needs to happen for him to feel honored. David is a threat to Saul's honor. Saul wanted David dead. This is an ambition that Jonathan refuses to cooperate with. 
Saul feels dishonored by his son Jonathan's actions. He makes the extent to which he feels dishonored abundantly clear. Saul says to Jonathan, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? This is about the worst possible way you could insult someone at the time. Jonathan's actions toward David, the love he showed, did not fit with his father's conception of what Jonathan honoring him needed to look like. For Saul, David was a threat to the continuation of his kingdom. For Jonathan, David was a friend that he loved sacrificially. Jonathan's actions honored his father. He kept the fifth commandment to do so, even if Saul didn't feel honored. Honoring parents does not put the parents in the position to determine what is right and what is wrong in an absolute way. We see that in the case of Jonathan and Saul. Saul wanted good things for Jonathan. He was willing to do anything for Jonathan to be king after him. Being king was good, but it was not the ultimate good. The ultimate good was knowing and serving God. Saul prioritized the earthly good of being king over the ultimate good that can only be found in properly relating to God. Jonathan understood what was actually good when his father did not. This brought him into an unfortunate conflict with Saul. That conflict was not his fault. It was the fault of Saul. Jonathan was actually honoring Saul, whether Saul realized it or not. Saul, on the other hand, disgraced Jonathan with his actions, as verse 34 of 1 Samuel 20 says. Some parents today are like Saul. To some extent, all parents are like Saul. This happens when parents get their priorities confused. Many parents think that they are doing what is best for their kids when they push them to succeed in some area at all costs, whether that be socially, academically, musically, or something else. The parents believe they are pushing their kids to do what is good, like Saul did, when it is really just their own pride at work. The people that often have the hardest time knowing how to honor their parents are those that become believers out of non-Christian homes. It's tough to know 
how to honor parents when parents feel dishonored by the faith of their offspring, which they do not share or understand. There are some of you in this room that that is your story. I've seen the struggles of friends and family that that is their experience. Nothing I've said to this point in the sermon means we shouldn't honor our parents. We absolutely should. Honoring parents is about the attitude we have towards them. It is a desire that motivates an ambition we are commanded to have. We should respect our parents. They have sacrificed greatly for us. Anyone that has ever taken care of a baby knows it is no easy task. It requires sleepless nights and dirty diapers. Each of our parents took care of us. Our desire, even as adults, should be to live in such a way that our parents feel the sacrifices they made on our behalf were worth it. We live in an extremely individualistic society. The idea of our actions being motivated by a desire to honor parents is anachronistic. This command lets us know that is a good desire. Honoring parents is warranted by virtue of their role. For some, hearing this sermon is hard because you have issues with how your parents carried out, carried out their parenting responsibilities. Maybe you have issues with how they're carrying out their parenting role even today. Let me say two things to that. First, if only perfect parents were supposed to be honored, then no parents would get any honor. Every parent is imperfect. I know that I frequently fail as a dad. There are times where I prioritize the wrong things for my kids, that I don't love them as I should. Second, there are some that have had really horrific experiences with parents that involve abuse and neglect. You would love to have a parent you can honor, but you can't even be in a relationship with your parent because of their brokenness. This command in no way denies the need for boundaries in certain situations, okay? Saul, Jonathan was not supposed to just sit there and let Saul stab him to death with a spear. It is a broad command for the bulk of relationships between children and their parents. Tragically, in a broken world, there will be situations where a parent is so abusive, the only thing their child can do is separate themselves. That's not most of our story, hopefully, but it is something we have to recognize. As with all commandments, the only person who who has ever perfectly succeeded at keeping the command to honor their father and mother is Jesus Christ. 
We see this faithfulness in Jesus' life play out differently when it comes to Mary than when it comes to God. Like Saul, our earthly parents, and any of us that are parents, Mary was imperfect. Jesus' first miracle when he turned water into wine was performed when his mom put him in an awkward position. I think all of us have probably been put in an awkward position by our mothers at some point. I'm sorry, my mom's watching this probably. Mary knew what Jesus was capable of. She demanded he act in spite of the fact Jesus told her his time had not yet come. In spite of this, Jesus honored his mother in that situation by doing what she wanted him to do. But later in Jesus' ministry, Mary arrives with some of Jesus' brothers demanding he return home with her. At that point, he does not do what she demands because it goes against what he knows he needs to do. Mary's desires were in contradiction to God's. Jesus knows that Mary would not be honored by him being disobedient to God. That is a good segue to talking about how Jesus honored his father. Jesus did everything God asked of him. His priority above all else was honoring God. Jesus did so even though it meant him going to the cross. Unlike Mary or any earthly parent, God is perfect. Honoring God aligned with what was right and good to do in every circumstance. There was no tension between Jesus honoring God, his Father, and doing what was right. God is the ultimate Father. This is true both generally and specifically. It is true to say God is the Father of all people. Isaiah 64, 8 says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. God created each of you. God created every person. We have been adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. 1 John 3, 1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Galatians 3, 26, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. When we honor God, our Father, we honor our parents. There will be times honoring God will not make our earthly parents feel honored. This is inevitable. Our earthly parents are imperfect. What would make them feel honored can be impacted by their sin. That being said, God has given us parents to act as extensions of him in the world. Our desire should be to honor our parents when we are able to do so. When we honor them, we honor God. We need to be wary of the idea our faith, 
Our desire to serve God as our Father can exist separately from the earthly relationships and communities God has placed us in for our benefit and formation. Parents usually want good things for their kids, even when they misunderstand what is actually good for them. While they may be wrong at times, they should be honored nonetheless. In closing, I want to take a couple of minutes to address the second part of Exodus 20.20. Commentators over the years have pointed out that the fifth command to honor father and mother is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. The command says, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honoring mothers and fathers is connected by God with living in a stable, thriving society. We live in a society where honoring parents is not prioritized. Respect for those parents or those that are older is in short supply. This is not in keeping with God's created order. The breakdown of family inevitably leads to a breakdown of society. A society where parents are not honored will be a society that is in decline. It will be a society where every person does what is right in their own eyes, which lacks any understanding outside of the desires of the present moment. We are called to honor those that God has placed in authority in our lives. This command must be worked out in relationships. We should honor our parents to the greatest extent possible. We honor them by honoring God, our ultimate Father, through Jesus. We've been fully incorporated into the family of God for all those that have looked to him in faith. Knowing that we have a perfect father helps us to honor our imperfect biologic or adoptive parents. By honoring them, we are honoring God. This is what we saw with Jonathan and Jesus. Saul and Mary were both honored by their son's faithfulness even if they did not feel honored in the moment. We are called to honor our parents in the same way. Let's pray. Dear Lord, relationships are hard for us. They are especially hard for us the, the closer those relationships are to us. And, and one of the closest relationships any of us will ever have in our lives is with our parents, Lord. As I preach this sermon, I realize there are some whose parents have already passed on and maybe there's still hurt and pain there, Lord. I pray that they would be healing in those circumstances. I recognize that there are others who are still in the process of living in relationship with their parents and they're trying to figure out how to do that well, Lord. I pray that we would do so sacrificially and, and, and lovingly, but also pray that we would do so knowing that at times the most loving thing that we can do is, is say no or, or put up a boundary in certain situations, Lord, but I pray that we would not do those things out of our own selfishness, Lord, but that we would do so as an 
outworking of the love and faith that you have shown us, Lord. I pray that you would be with this world that we live in, Lord. I pray that parents would be honored in our world and that that would be prioritized. And I pray that as Christians, that we would be an example of how to live in that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.